Hello. We hope The Sleep Mums is your preferred podcast, but being the preferred parent isn't such a lovely thing. It's like you've been picked for the squad, but there's only one person on the team, you. It also sucks to not be the chosen one for loads of reasons and not just the feeling of rejection. Today, we're getting on the pitch with you to make sure everyone gets a chance to play. God, have I taken that analogy too far? <laughs> I mean, are you confused? <laughs> Offside? Yeah. Red yeah. card? It's, uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting one if this is how the podcast is going to go. You know me. <laughs> I'm Kat Cuby, author, podcaster who occasionally drifts offside. And this is Sarah Carpenter, baby and child expert and sleep striker. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> Together, we are the Sleep Mums. As I touched on at the start, this podcast is all about being the favourite parent, or as it's sometimes known, the preferred parent. At first, it might feel really flattering, but very quickly it can stop feeling like a win. In this podcast, we'll explore what and why parent preference happens, what it looks like at different ages, how to cope with being both the chosen and the not chosen one, and how to deal with it all. I'm your favourite though, right? I mean, I feel like a bit of a child right now that I think I've gone through phases with you and all, <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. No, at all. You'll always be my favourite. Thanks. I think. <laughs> Have you been on the receiving end of your child's desperate plea for you over the other parent? Or have they begged for the other parent instead of you? If so, you've probably experienced parent preference. Sarah, tell us a wee bit more about parent preference. So parent preference is generally something that is going to happen to everyone and it's not something that sticks. So you may find that at certain ages... It's like the mummy phase uh or the the mummy phase or the daddy phase or the whatever phase. The other daddy phase or neither of you and it's all about the grandparents or sometimes all about the siblings. Children do can go through phases where actually... They're just not interested in their parents and they just want a sibling. So it's not really, it's nothing you've done. It's nothing wrong with what they're doing. It's just that they're going through a phase and they come out the other side of that phase. But it can be very intense while it's happening. And also, I don't know, maybe this isn't true, but if if you don't take steps to manage it to some extent, whilst it is a phase, it can also continue which can be exhausting like you can't just go all right well that's what it is and we'll just I mean well sorry you You, can do that yeah but for the person that is taking the shoulder of it it's that's going to be really exhausting isn't it it's a tricky one there's certain situations where you just have to deal with it you know as a single parent I am definitely the preferred parent for my youngest and it's not going to change you know onlookers can watch our relationship and think, well, that's really intense. It maybe is a little bit for people who see it, but for me, it's life. This is how it's going to be. You know, she is with me the majority of the time and her bond with me is very different to the one with her dad. So there's nothing I can do. There's, it's not. I'm not in a position where I can put steps in place to say, okay, well, I'm not going to do bath time yeah. tonight yeah. to sort of try and break this bond ever so slightly. It is me and that's how it is. So, yeah. so yes, in 
two parent families, you can put steps in place to ease the burden slightly and yeah. to make sure that you're still building those bonds. In single parent families, it can be a little bit different and you do have to go with the flow a wee bit more. I think it's really important to say, obviously, you know, we were talking about being the preferred parent, but in case you're feeling kind of shitty about a child showing favouritism for the other parent, that it does not mean that they love them more in most circumstances. Totally. And it also doesn't mean that the chosen one is a better... <laughs> you're the chosen one. Um <laughs> Is, is a better parent because mm. I think it can make because I think one of the problems about when there is parent preference going on is it can make the, the one that isn't feel vulnerable mm -hmm. feel insecure and then actually try less hard because mm -hmm. they're kind of shaken by it and that's what I was sort of meaning that it kind yeah. of it can be self-perpetuating mm -hmm. because the rejection feels like this snub and I think it's also quite hard for the parent who is the preferred parent to not be like, I'm getting a hard ride mm -hmm. here, How love, however lovely it is. This is difficult because I'm doing all the work. Yep. So there can be quite a lot of like bad feelings, I guess, floating around. Totally. You know. Like it, it can cause a lot of kind of bickering over the over the head of the child when things like this are happening. As much as the preferred parent doesn't want to say, give me a break... They do sometimes feel like that. However, they can then be guilty of scooping the little one up and getting on with it because that's the easier option than trying to implement change. Absolutely does not mean anything about the way that the children love the parents. Yeah, exactly. You you know, a child can love both parents fiercely, <laughs> but still show preferences Definitely. at any point in time or for all of time, mm -hmm. yeah. I guess, as well. Yeah. You know, it's it's okay to say that personalities work better mm -hmm. together as well. Definitely. And, you know, to, to manage that. And we will come to talk about those sort of ways of dealing with it for both if you are the chosen one or the not chosen one. Um, and also, like, how you go with it and a couple of different ways, whether it is, as we say, managing it or just accepting it. Yeah. We'll go into that in more detail in just a minute. I'm dangling mm -hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> Teasing people. There isn't a ton of research about parent preference, as often is the case with lots of things around parenting, but there are some things we know about it. But it's it's important to say it's different at different stages of development. So you can have a baby, a toddler, a preschooler or a mid-kid. I have just made this up, by the way, mid-kid. Yep. <laughs> I think it's really good. I like it. Can we coin it? We, we can like, totally coin it. You know how people, someone came up with tweens. Yeah. Can we come up with mid-kid? Mid -kid. I think we can. Because I think everyone knows what I mean by that. Anyway, I think mid -kid. you're it. <laughs> mid-kid, showing a preference for a parent. Generally, though, the age at which it happens does affect perhaps how you might deal with it. So, Sarah, let's chat through why babies and then children tend to show favouritism for one parent. So we'll start with babies. Yeah, so, I mean, with babies, it's kind of obvious that a, a lot of the time it can just be that the one parent is the main caregiver. So they're with them all the time. They're providing the food. They're providing this cosy space, a safe environment, etc., etc. So They're just more used to that. They're person. just more used to them. However, sometimes in that situation, the little one actually gets super excited when the other parent comes in. So although they've got parent preference to the one that's there all the time, the other one's still getting that excitement and that burst of energy. So 
you're, they're kind of meeting both the parents' needs, even though they might tend to gravitate towards one. So it's not as obvious at that stage. And also you can feel like when you're the main caregiver, whilst they might gravitate towards you, they might behave better for mm-hmm. other people, whether it's a partner or, you know, whatever. Yep. That you, there's that classic thing that a partner comes home from work or, you know, mother-in-law comes around and, you know, your baby has been really hard work all day and you're exhausted. And then they're like, ah, like a little angel. Yep for the other person and that that's a sort of slightly different thing I guess from parent preference Mm -hmm. but it can feel like they're preferring the other person definitely but again that is because they feel so safe with the main caregiver so they're comfortable not performing like little angels with the main caregiver you know the, the biggest sign of sort of parent preference when they're babies is that they will only be settled by one parent so and that can be exhausting for the parent that's doing all the settling and that is when it's really important to persevere so if you've got a baby that's only going to settle for one parent you really do need to put steps in place to make sure that the other parent is stepping up at certain times of the day so you know maybe interacting more at bedtime routines definitely taking a share of the bedtime and then doing a share of the settling overnight and persevering with it it doesn't take long come back to the three to five day rule you can definitely swing things around pretty quickly if you want to change the parent preference so that it's a bit more of an equal balance at that age. As they get older, however, yeah, it does get harder. To yeah, so toddlers can be really trying when they're going through parent preference. They can literally decide that they are not going to do yeah. anything at all. Mummy do it, mummy do it, daddy do it, daddy do it. Exactly. But generally what you'll find is that even in that situation, when the parents are apart so you know if say mum's gone to work and dad has them mum will leave the house feeling super nervous you know they're not going to do anything for dad because they only ever want me as soon as you're out the door they're totally comfortable with dad or whoever it is yeah and they get on with it and they're absolutely fine so in those cases it's sort of like there's a hierarchy though i think as well like (laughs) but that is again that is about control and sort of a way of asserting their independence Mm -hmm. of being like no I can choose Uh, well (laughs) they think they think they can (laughs) exactly and it's so funny because nine times out of ten when mum hears it or whichever caregiver main caregiver has left when they hear that they've had a great day even though they've been exhausted by the parent preference as soon as they hear that the little one's been grand they suddenly are like oh why? Yeah. Why did they not cry yes, for me all day? Totally. So they don't generally want them to cry for them all day, but they do get a little bit. I think bit it's because they they're don't. confusing because, it, and I think it's also because it is really exhausting mm-hmm. when you're the, the preferred parent, and because it's so exhausting, in some ways the payoff is that you are like you Number feel one. kind of amazing <laughs> as well. Like that's what you're. So if you then are like, oh, I'm not. That's when you're like, what? <laughs> but it is sort yeah. of no different to the drama over like red cup, blue cup. Exactly. That's the thing. It is, you know, children don't know when they're controlling a situation. They're yeah. too innocent to know what they're doing. But that is essentially what yeah. they're doing. They're controlling situations yeah. with the parent preference. Yeah, well, they're exploring mm-hmm. boundaries and they're exploring, yeah. totally. you know, what their own behaviour and what's okay with how how they want things to happen and they, i think they also have well they've got a very small view of the world and that and how they want it to be mm-hmm. yeah definitely i think as well as you see them grow it's not necessarily that they'll change their parent preference but they get to an age where they can see that 
one parent might provide something that mm. the other one doesn't in a certain way. So they'll have preferences for different occasions. Uh -huh, exactly. You know, yeah, I'm sure you're three of the same, but there's definitely things like Jonathan's more inclined to go out and play football for hours with Alfie than I am. So although he'd still come to me for certain things, he's definitely moving, gravitating towards yeah. Jonathan now for that sort of thing. So that's really interesting. I don't want to make obviously stereotypes or like, you know, but the sort of the the kind of the ideas around parent preference as kids get older do tend to focus on gender identity. Mm -hmm. And that's not saying that, you know, Alfie's a boy and Jonathan yeah. are going to play football. It could be mm. anything. Absolutely. You know, it's more about how the child identifies. It's the interests as well, definitely. Because interest, I think, yeah. you know, Harry's still more inclined to come to me because he's not sporty. So, yeah. you know. And clearly I'm not sporty. Um, so yeah, it is, it's a little bit gender identity, but it's also interest. Yeah, so that actually, I, I mean, I, I do think it's a bit reductive in saying that. Mm -hmm. And actually it's probably more personality, yeah. which kind of swings back to what I was saying at the start. Like, it's okay. Of course, you're not going to have favourites, but it's no. okay that, okay, well, maybe you are. <laughs> <laughs> Depends who's sleeping, right? But um some children get on better mm -hmm. in certain circumstances with one parent yeah. or a grandparent or, you know, mm -hmm. that they connect. That's yeah. actually a really beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is, it's kind of how life works, isn't it? You yeah. know, yeah, you can't pick your family, but you have connections you, with different yeah, people. And do, that's a special you know. thing. And your friends are also different. And it is, it's the start of exploring relationships yeah. as parent preference. Yeah. <laughs> Being the chosen one might sound like a boon, but actually it's not quite as rosy as it sounds. Whilst being the hero parent might be good for the ego, it is incredibly exhausting to not be able or feel able to share the load with anyone when it is in those periods of really intense preference. It's also generally not all sweetness either because the preferred parent is also more likely to get a greater amount of pushback, I think, in terms of tantrums and tears, just simply from the fact that they do tend to be spending more time together. I don't know. Um, I, that's what I think mm -hmm. about it, but that's maybe my own personal experience. Would you agree with that, Sarah? And how do you make, yeah. how can you manage if you are the preferred parent? No, I would 100% agree with that. I think, again, you know, because they do feel safer with their preferred parent and that doesn't mean that the preferred parent is a better parent it doesn't mean that they're making them feel safer it's just how they're interpreting their feelings so they are more likely to misbehave or push back yeah. with that parent so it's not all fun and games it's so important though that if you've got the option to share the load that you do and if that means initially that you do have to leave the house then that's what you do you go away you get a breather and you come back when you're ready to battle it out again but also have a routine, have a bit of a structure to your week. So if that means that you take it, like do bedtime on alternate nights, do that. Um, or if you're getting up with them on alternate mornings, you just need to make sure that you're both doing your fair share. And that can even be things like having a battle with them when they're toilet training, you know, making sure that both parents are taking them to the toilet so that they don't rely on one. And in some ways, you know, it's hard for both parents in some ways, it's harder for the preferred one because they are standing watching a tantrum break out 
and they think all I need to do is walk in there and scoop them up, take them to the toilet and it's done. That is the worst thing that you can do for the child and the other parent. I think that's the really hard thing of of breaking that cycle mm -hmm. too because you know it's going to be easier if you get involved. And quite often when you are knackered, you're going to want to take the easier route. Yep. 100%. 100%. I've got really, really good friends who will 100% know that I'm talking about them right now. But it is, it's been years. Are you talking about me? Of, no, <laughs> not at all. It's been years of preferred parent. And it's something that, you know, she knows she's exacerbated herself because she's gone for the easy option of just doing everything. And it, over the years, we've watched him struggle with that. They're not in any better place now little one's much older and they're functioning but it still is very much a preferred parent and when they go on holiday she never feels like she's had a break but she knows that if she speaks to me about it now she's gonna get out well you brought on yourself now (laughs) Sarah's much more understanding with that with her clients (laughs) oh absolutely and in situations where people have tried (laughs) so you know this is one that we can laugh about a little bit but that's right you're allowed to noise up your phone (laughs) but yeah it's it's something that you can change but it's not going to be an easy thing to change I think there's also something around this and this is a bit about confidence for the not preferred parents which can be a hard thing as you're saying if you're watching it going oh I would do this and that's true in almost (laughs) all parenting situations even when you're an onlooker oh I would just do this you think it's so easy but that you kind of also have to give the support to the, the not preferred parent um, not just by being able to step back if, if that's what you're wanting mm-hmm. to do but I think also in not um, um, what's the right word like not making them feel insecure in the, in that moment and trying uh-huh. to big them up in front of the child if you can because I think sometimes and I'm totally like guilty of this that it'd be like oh like you will actually verbalize or if you just if you if you just do mm-hmm. this if you just do it that way and as soon as you've said that the the kid knows depending on the mm-hmm. age of the child obviously not with babies but the child knows well actually that other person's probably in control here so mm-hmm. i can i can yeah. gravitate towards them you kind of and whether it's in the moment or outside of the moment you have to be like you know uh, other parent is doing such a great job yeah. or they're they're so fun and don't mm. you love it when they do bedtimes or they read your stories or whatever it is that you want to yeah, try yeah, and yeah. encourage the behaviour of rather than sometimes I think taking it away because you mm-hmm. feel like you can do it better and you yeah, might be definitely. able to do it better but they're not going to learn and they're not no. going to feel supported unless you allow yeah. that through. And I think as well it's important that if that's how you feel, if you feel like you can do it better, don't encourage that parent to do it the same way as you. Well, yeah. It's okay in certain situations to do things completely differently. And so in fact that, quite healthy uh-huh. and probably a good thing. So if you're saying to the child, oh, you know, but mummy doesn't like this and that's boring, daddy does it like this. Yeah. So you're actually bigging up the yeah. change and making it really awesome for the child to get engaged yeah. with. Um, and if they are a little bit insecure, having like a chart on the wall so that they can see who's doing certain things with them can really build their confidence and allowing them to then check it off so you know I have it in laminate so that you know they tick off their mummy night they tick off their daddy night or their other mummy night or their other daddy night or their grandparent night and things like that so you know they they know where they're at and they can prepare we for find it. that really useful mm-hmm. as well just so they know that it's coming yeah and I think also that like for mine it might be like okay well such and such is doing this night but but mummy's doing the next three yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. And then like mm-hmm. and they're like so it's also bigging up 
well, all of those moments, but they feel kind of comfortable yeah. and they know what's happening. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's super important for children who do have the two houses. You know, my guys need to know the routine. They need to know which house they're going to be in when, who's picking them up when, because it does give them confidence and they will count it off. You know, they will say, OK, we've got X amount of nights with daddy and then we've got X amount yeah. of nights with mummy. And they love that. They love knowing that. Yeah. So it is, it's a good thing to have that in place. <laughs> If you're not the chosen one, I've written in my notes here the rejected one, which feels really hard because that's really hard. <laughs> because that's not quite how it is either. It isn't because it quite often it isn't as black and white as we're sort of suggesting. Rejection though from the child that you love hurts mm-hmm. and it can be stressful to see your partner shouldering the weight of parenting duties when you want to, to you want to help. Mm-hmm. And it can impact your relationship too, because for loads of reasons, whether it's the fact that there's some underlying like frustration on both parts, but also from a time perspective, if one person, if you're in a shared household, if one person is doing all the, all of the, the parenting duties for a period of time, the other one can feel mm-hmm. like redundant, but also like they're not getting to spend time with their partner. Yeah. Um, so it can lead to resentment on both sides. So, so mm-hmm. how can you manage being the rejected or the not chosen one so I think you have to work out what your feelings are is it that you feel like you're not the chosen one with your children or that you're not the chosen one with your partner yeah and if it's the partner situation that is so perceptive of you like you have to actually talk about that and and then work that out so I know like you and I have obviously discussed this lots that both of us have been guilty with different children of just investing so much time in the child and forgetting about the other people in our lives and actually allocating that time can not only change the relationship between you and your partner but instantly impacts in a positive way on the children as well so the children seeing you interacting in a positive manner with your partner then in turn gives them the confidence to do the same exactly so it, it, it is good to sort of sit back and think about what you're feeling and why and work it out from there. So allocating time, and in the same way that allocating time for you and your child is important, it's important to allocate time for you and your partner. But I think also you touched on something super important there as well. And this is not that we should all internalise things, but it is, it's important to work out why you feel mm-hmm. like that. Like Definitely. if you are seeking validation from your child about how good a parent you are you're not going to get it even as a preferred parent you're not really I know we're saying oh you feel like a hero but you're not really getting it because you're also getting some of the the crappy bits as well and so if that's sort of what you're looking for to feel like a good parent from your kid try and try and work that out and go okay Mm -hmm. that's not going to happen I need to find other ways to feel confident in in being a parent Mm -hmm. and yes look to your partner but also look at the way you're doing things i guess and if 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 you are not involved and feeling on the outskirts and you want to be involved then take steps to be more involved or talk to partner or Mm -hmm. ex-partner in to find ways that you can be more involved i think as well think about other things in your life like for a lot of the preferred parents as much as, yes, they can crack jokes about it and they enjoy it, they actually need to go back to work or, or somewhere else. Maybe it's the gym, maybe it's work, whatever. They need that to get their identity back as well. You know, some people get a little bit lost when they have babies and so they tend to 
fully throw themselves into being the parent. I went to my first gym class the other night in probably three years because yeah. we've dealt with the pandemic and stuff. Yeah. And then um, one of the kids wasn't very well that day. And I literally spent all day, like I'd sorted out, like chat, got mm-hmm. everyone like Ollie to come home from work early so that he could do bedtime, like made, it was in his diary. Yeah. And um all day because one of them was feeling a bit poorly I was like I should cancel I should cancel it I should cancel I shouldn't go out they're not feeling well and it's like that's my bad Mm -hmm. for like why would I be any better at dealing with a poorly child like Mm -hmm. that's not fair of me on him it's not fair on the kid Mm -hmm. and it's also not fair on me ultimately and I did the class and I loved it Mm -hmm. and it's so important on all of those levels for all of those individuals within this story Mm -hmm. to have that experience it it really is like we have an unwritten rule that I'm always the one that will go into hospital with them for whatever reason and None of them have ever kicked back on that. So they've all been quite happy, you know, whenever they've ended up in hospital. It's always been me. But one day they will turn around and say, actually, no, we won't, daddy. And I don't know how I'll cope with that day when it comes because it's just, it's not, we haven't discussed that. It's just automatically happened. But it is something that sits in the back of my mind that I have controlled that. I've never, you know, he would be absolutely fine in that situation. I've never offered it up. Yeah. But one day they might take it away from me. So it is like you go through all the emotions when it comes to being the preferred parent or not. And yeah, it's just it's good to sit back every now and again and just think about why you feel like that about situations. Totally. I think it's really important to remember for the person who isn't the the chosen Mm -hmm. one that even if it feels like it, it really isn't personal at this level it's not it is not you it is them kind of thing but it's not them as in in a vindictive way Mm -hmm. it's just that they are growing as a human Mm -hmm. and learning how to interact with the world and exploring relationships definitely and finally let's chat through how to deal with parent preference and i think we've spoken about it quite a lot throughout the podcast but let's discuss it, I guess, more in relation to sleep. So, Sarah, like, what's best? And, you know, I guess I, what I mean is quite often the kind of central part of, of parent preference does revolve around bedtimes, I think. So yeah. how can you kind of manage that? I think it's bedtimes, wake-up times and wakings overnight as well. Yeah. Um emotionally charged yeah. moments in some ways, maybe. It's really important, I think, to make sure that from day one you are sharing the load. I think that is the only way that you really can deal with that. Or if you start to see a pattern where it is becoming one parent, then you nip it in the bud really quickly and you use the three to five days to sort it out. Um, It is definitely like, sometimes you can't change it. You know, sometimes one parent is the parent that's at home at bedtime and that's just how it is. So in that situation, try and always have the other parent getting up with them in the morning. Whether that is just that they lift them out of the cot or lift them out of the bed and they take them to the other parent because they're shooting out the door to work again, they've still yeah, done something. Yeah, they find something. moments within uh-huh, it if, exactly. if you can. Yeah. Or even if it is, even if they are working every night or, you know, mm-hmm. that you schedule it in that it is once every two weeks. So yeah. it's not suddenly going forever. But exactly, exactly. You know, I've had some parents where... Um, They've actually diarised the time to come home for an hour 
and then they've gone back, back to, work. to work. So it's like they've taken a bit of a lunch break. God, that's very A personality, like, right? That's <laughs> super schedule. <laughs> but some people have to. It's the only way that they can get that time. And if that's your situation, then that's okay. Um, and then others where, you know, they know that they're going to miss bedtime every night. So they do start a bit later in the morning so that they can do the wake up time. Yeah. And or, if you've got no flexibility within that, hopefully you will be able to find moments at whatever point works for yeah, you. Generally, people have one or two days off a week, whether it's random midweek days or they have yeah. a weekend, and that's when they can do something. Often it'll be that one parent always does the swimming lessons on a weekend because that's something they can commit to. So that is their time. It's all about looking at the bigger picture and seeing when you can actually make time to have the one-on-one yeah. time. And then if you are together and you feel like you're getting a lot of pushback, then one of you has to walk away. That's interesting, though. So because I was obviously talking about bedtimes, but actually we're talking about having it doesn't matter when the time is. Mm. As long as you're having shared experience time or with child or children, that's going to actually benefit yep. bedtimes and overnight Definitely. because it's all about it's all relationship building, mm-hmm. essentially. And probably it is time alone, like rather than, mm-hmm. you know, I think we are quite guilty of that, of like doing everything together rather than allowing Mm -hmm. parents to have individual time. Definitely. I think it's important to recognise things that you can do together as well. So, you know, board games, obviously not when they're babies, but board games (laughs) are... Come on, get the Monopoly board out. Exactly. (laughs) Who's got me fair? But there are really nice things that you can do as long as you're not too competitive. There are really nice things that you can do as a Why did you look at me like that? I did throw the Monopoly board on... Um, but story time, you know, bedtime and incorporating the story. So one parent reads a book and then gives the baby over to the next parent to do the next part of the routine. You can share yeah. things from day dot as simply as that. But you can also take the one on one time, but then you can also take the family Element. time. And you can take mm-hmm. elements, I guess, yeah. like you're saying, like whether it is, you know, what we've done at certain times, like one of one parent brings child upstairs yeah. or to the bedroom if mm-hmm. it is not upstairs and the other one reads a story so yeah. everyone is involved I mean that can mm-hmm. be a bit more complex yeah. particularly depending on people's routines but if you need to do that even for a period of time it's to worth help doing it as a mm-hmm. kind of like in in transition period and um, we touched on this at the start but I think this is also a kind of coping thing too is sometimes pushing back can be the worst thing for the situation and only the parent will know that like you know if a kid is really kicking off at bedtime Mm -hmm. sometimes it is better to just go with it right yes however you want to make sure that you go with it once yeah not multiple times because i I think it's like you always say it's about planning so yeah. yeah okay Maybe they're feeling sprung upon that such mm-hmm. and such something's going to happen or you've not spoken it through yep. or there's been a change in plan. Mm-hmm. So just go with it if that's going to be best. But if you're wanting to make these changes, yeah. put them in place, make a plan. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So that might all sound a bit confusing, but I do. I really think it's mm-hmm. all about planning. Uh, like a lot of parenting things, when you spring or switch things on kids who are already in the throes of being upset or pissed off about something, it never really goes well. So sometimes you just need to ride it out if the moment has already been gun but if you want to make a change talk about it in advance or if it's a baby start gently taking up the stairs or into their mm-hmm. bedroom or you know putting them in their sleep suit or whatever it is and you're more likely to see the changes that you want i think sorry as well just to go back a little bit it, like it's shit overnight if you have got a baby that yeah. doesn't settle for you yeah. it's so hard 
But it is really important to persevere through that yeah. because it can make a massive difference. And my top tip for that is that if you know baby isn't going to settle for you, let the other partner do the first part of the resettle yeah. so that you're then going in at a point when they are pretty much asleep almost and you're kind of getting the glory moment That's but that really builds tip. the confidence with the baby child. That can be hard to give up Oh, 100%. Well. But that's a really, really good tip. <laughs> Not that you and I are super controlling. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot give it up! <laughs> Every week we have a listener question. As you know, it's so important to us that we share your questions. We answer them because actually that's a really big part of what we do. We want to be answering your questions, whether it's in the podcast themselves or specifically our listener questions. But also it's a huge part of our book, Sleep Better Baby, where we have a troubleshooting section. This week we have a question about parent preference. Hi, Kat and Sarah. I really need your help. My two-year-old screams if I go near her at bedtime. We know we should set some boundaries, but each night when we're tired, it just seems easier to let my partner do it, because if we don't, it just ends up later with lots of tears. But honestly, we're both finding it hard to think about doing it differently. Thanks. So, yeah, I mean, we have touched on that. You, the first thing you need to do is make a plan. And actually, in this situation, based on the age of the child, what you should be doing is doing it together initially. So do bedtime together, do the whole routine together, and then start to switch things up. She's probably going to be a little bit too young to respond to a sticker chart or anything like that but you can have visuals so you can put pictures of you doing certain things like actual photographs of you and the child doing certain things so there'll be some things with one parent some things with the other parent and they are visual they can be seen you can put them in a little book so it's like reading a story and then you move away so you've started by doing it all together so you're totally it's the three of you or if you've got other children, then it's what all of What if the child is like, no, like, mummy, go away? or Yeah, that you ride it out. So whether that is just that that parent steps back a little bit so they're not hands-on, but they're still in the vicinity. So they're doing what we've just discussed. You know, they're actually bigging up the other parent and both parents are then working together. So if the little one has sent one parent away, the parent who's preferred at that time needs to be asking for help they need to be including that other parent that's whether it's just really go, well. whether it's just go away grab a vest or grab pajamas or whatever you know but ah oh, thanks so much you know you're amazing because you've gone and got me that vest yeah. so it's all about building the confidence of each parent whilst building the confidence of the child if I punch one more thing, it's really going to get annoying. Sarah's doing a lot of gesticulating, so apologies for any bumps, <laughs> bumps there. Um, it can be a really hard thing to change. Mm-hmm. And whilst you, whilst a sticker chart or any of these kind of things might not work for your child or they might be too young, there's no reason you can't talk it through. As you mm-hmm. say, you know, you, you can reward them verbally, obviously. Definitely. Reward them and the other parent, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could even have a sticker chart for the parents. Yeah, you're laughing, but I've got clients just now who it is the parents that were rewarding because the child was feeling the pressure of a reward chart, but she still wanted the reward. So actually we flipped it and we've set the reward chart up so that she's rewarding the parents for sticking to the new rules around bedtime. I love that. It's brilliant. It's worked so well. So she's getting the confidence. They're all benefiting. The type of rewards that we're given are family events. So again, it's then 
instilling that confidence in her that both parents can do these things, both parents can have fun, but she's very much in control That's of so it. so healthy. So it's really nice. It's, it, it's Again, it comes back to thinking outside the box sometimes yeah. and looking at the personality of the child and really working with that. Totally. And I think also sometimes you can build up a lot of fear around bedtime mm-hmm. as a parent. I mean, uh, whether preferred or not preferred, uh, which I can kind of hear from mm-hmm. the question that like you get that anxiety before um, you get there. And that's already setting the precedence yeah. for what the night's going to look like. So talking it through is beneficial, not just for, mm-hmm. you know, the children or the child, Definitely. but also for the parents. Hopefully. And it's important when you talk it through that you then all know where you're coming from. You're all on the same page. You've got that plan in place. If you don't talk things through with the child or with each other, it's never going to work. Absolutely. Don't wing it. Well, now that is, that's controversial. <laughs> I've seen far too many memes telling me to wing it, so that we're all just winging it. Sarah oh, says, I mean, don't get me don't, wrong, don't in day to day life, I'm fully winging it. But when it comes to bedtimes, yeah. have yeah. a plan and work together. We hope that helps. As ever, get your questions to us if you want them answered in the podcast uh, or if you want to suggest a topic that you'd like us to discuss. You can find us online at The Sleep Mums on all the usual social channels and you can also find us on our website or send us an email, hello at thesleepmums.com. We'd love to hear from you as well if you just want to say hi or tell us you love the podcast that's always nice too or leave us a review. haven't suggested that for a while. (laughs) That's always a good thing too. So many of our worries in parenting can boil down to whether something is normal kid behaviour or whether it's something we should actually be worried about. I think parent preference is quite a good example of this because it feels both hurtful and stressful and you have no idea when it will end and you don't know, is it is it normal? So let us reassure you on both counts. It is absolutely a natural phase of development and happens a bunch of times in their wee lives as children. And I'm guessing probably up through teenage years and adulthood too. Mm -hmm. It might always be the same parent or they might switch it up. It is, in fact, a good sign. What? Well, it shows they have a secure attachment to both the chosen one and the rejected one. I know that sounds insane, But to feel comfortable in rejecting a parent likely means that the child knows their love is unconditional, so it's actually not a bad thing. So if you're the unchosen one, try and think of it as not being bad. If it feels particularly painful, talk to your partner and they can help big you up. We've talked about that a lot, which should help things for the preference part and make you feel better. And if you're the chosen one, try not to be too smug about it all. (laughs) Ah, that's a very smug face you just (laughs) given, Sarah. I said try not to be smug. Sorry. (laughs) As ever, we hope that all helps. Look after yourselves and sleep soon. 